630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. It is 8.06. It is Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, big thank you to Bag Milk and Jean Shorts. Maybe those are their real names. I don't know. From Oilers Nation for uh, coming in and having some fun. We did the uh, Rob Shrimp hockey draft. Connor McDavid went first overall to uh, Jean Shorts. Uh, we will we'll follow those throughout the season for fun. Uh, it is the Eskimos in Ottawa on Saturday, 3.30 for the pregame show, 5 o'clock for the kickoff right here on 6.30. Chad, Blue Jays up 2-1 on the Astros, bottom of the seventh. Uh, Jay Happ goes six innings. He allows only four hits. He struck out six, just gave up the one uh, earned run. Uh, Donaldson grounded out, and uh, the other run for the Blue Jays came off a wild pitch. So uh, they're not using the long ball tonight, but they are uh, getting it done so far. Uh, what did we have in the CFL here? Did it end 38-18, Matthew? 38-18, BC uh, beat Montreal, Saskatchewan, and Calgary coming up. Matthew, you're a passionate, and, and I, I've said this to you both on and off air, sometimes overly emotional sports fan. I, I'd agree with you on that. So <laughs> so who do you uh, dislike more, the Rough Riders or the Stampeders? Oh, I, I, I dislike the Rough Riders more, for sure. See, Calgary, I don't know, like, the Rough Riders just have that. It's the fans that do it, you know what I mean? Like, you go to the games, it's their fans that just enrage you, for goodness sakes. Because they're there waving the flags, and they're invading your home stadium. They're passionate. You know, they're, I, they're passionate, just that, just leave it in your own stadium. Don't come to our stadium, for goodness sakes, and invade the thing. So you, you don't know? like public displays of affection, is what you're saying? No, I, that's fine. you see fine. a couple just, holding hands, you're like, keep that in the, your, your home. No. Just don't like, throw your romance in my face. Love birds. Go it, back to your love nest. Hold hands there. The one thing that's good about it, Reed, is when the Eskimos beat the Riders, and we can just give it to the Riders fans on the way home. And we've been doing that the last couple of seasons. See, so I, don't, nice. I don't do that. I just enjoy it internally. Well, I enjoy it privately. Uh, Goopy texts in, when is the Tyler Dello Invitational Draft? Well, if it's invitational, I'm... Probably not going to be invited. Though here's the thing. I have I had zero ad- adversarial relationship with Tyler Dello. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we, uh, I think it was Mark Spector that broke that he had indeed, his contract wasn't renewed. Um, now, I understand before I became a part of, of uh, the Oilers media coverage here on 630 Chad, the Oilers, co- I, I understand there were several media members who uh, did not like Tyler Dello. Who and here's the one. Speaking of Gene Principe, a lot, a couple guys. I won't say a lot. A couple guys said to me that they lost all respect and patience with Dello when it was when he started going after Principe. And I can tell you that in the Edmonton media, Gene is very well respected. And I know some people love the puns, some people don't love the puns, but I can tell you behind the scenes, Gene is respected because he he is a nice guy. He's a gentleman. He works hard. And whether you like the puns or not, he's made himself stand out. And in this business, that's part of being successful. 
And I can tell you this from when I worked in Lloyd Minster, and I've talked about some of my, my, my career journey through there. Gene has time for you, whether you are the Pope or whether you are a, a guy trying to, I don't know why I threw the Pope into this, that he has time for you, whether you're Peter Mansbridge or whether you're a first-year Nate, Nate student. And when he was working at A-Channel in Edmonton, and I was, needed career advice in, in TV and had demo tapes and stuff, he was a guy, he said, send me your tape. Even when I wasn't applying for a job, send me your tape. You know, don't send me an hour, but send me five to ten minutes. And he would call back, and this was even pre-email being used a lot. He would call back, give me some advice. give me. So that's, that's why Gene is respected. And oddly enough, when the evil MSM got into some of these tiffs with Tyler Dello, some of it, some of it stemmed from Tyler's criticism of Gene. I, I, I found that out over the years. Myself, Tyler Dello was a uh, regular guest for a while on Oilers Now, so I often had to confirm bookings with him. I once met uh, Tyler in person uh, for a beverage, and that was the extent of my relationship with him. So, I mean, for me to say I really have any, any sort of relationship with Tyler either way beyond just professional guest booking would be, would be false. So I'm not going to run the guy down. Uh, I'm aware of why other people uh, had animosity towards him, but for for me myself, it's just sort of okay. He doesn't work there. I don't really have an, an emotional reaction to it either way. Speaking of of, of hating teams, uh, had a, a great visit to Predator Ridge in BC over the last few days. I took my parents there to their anniversary. It's kind of this golf resort uh, place where, where I'd never been able to attend before, so that was cool. I got to play a couple of rounds of golf there. On Tuesday, I golfed with a lawyer from Vancouver. Uh, so, you know, what do you do for a living? So I told him, so you talk hockey for a while. And he actually said to me, he's like, man, I hope the Oilers turn it around. I didn't have the heart to say him that for a lot of people, the Canucks are now, for a lot of Edmontonians, the Canucks are now a more hated team than the Flames. And let's face it, it's because as a, as a listener so eloquently pointed out during the season, it is now the pillow fight of Alberta, not the battle of Alberta. So it's hard to hate another team that for most most of the time has been... I realize the Flames have finished ahead of the Oilers most of the time, but they have most of the time been a non-factor in the playoffs as well, while the Canucks had a you know two or three really juggernaut teams. Like they could have won the Stanley Cup. So I didn't have the heart to tell them that. But I, but this, this, this gentleman said to me, you know, I hope the Oilers turn it around. I think it's great... Uh, there's an arena being built. I think McDavid's good for the league. And then he started saying, boy, I hate the Flames, though. He goes, this is a guy from Vancouver. saying." He goes to me, the you know, when I, he says, when I was a kid, he was, he's a couple years older than me. He's 45. He says, when I was a kid, I hated the Oilers. But he goes, because it was, I, they beat up on the Canucks all the time. He goes, really, you know, it was just kind of grudging respect more than true hatred. But he says, I just hate the Flames now. I hate their players. I hate. I hate their fans. I hate. I hate the way they act. So I, I found that was interesting. How different cities. You might assume they might have a different uh, hated team, so to speak. But uh, here was a guy from Vancouver, which a lot of Oilers fans hate, saying, "No, no, no, no. I'm actually quite fine with the Oilers, uh, but the Flames can burn." Uh, so to speak. So anyway, uh, that was a lot of fun. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can also text six thirty six thirty. Jeremy from Glendon says Saskatchewan fans are a lot nicer than Calgary fans, though. Jeremy from Glendon, home of the big pierogi. Michael says, love for non-players in Edmonton. Joey Moss first, Gene Principe second. Interesting. Joey Moss, 
Here's the thing. 2006. If Joey Moss would have got to lift the Stanley Cup, I would have cried. And I don't cry often. I'm a little choked up just thinking about it. I hope Joey gets to do that while he's still with the Edmonton Oilers at some point in his career. Uh, it is 8-14. Brad Sinopoli, one of the best Canadian players in the CFL, he's going to join us. And uh, a couple other little uh, tidbits from my trip here I'm going to share with you as we move along. Inside Sports on Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Little heat of the moment. Is this by Asia? Yes. Super group that turned out to be not so super. I still like them. This is a good song. Uh, do we have any songs not from the 80s? Well, we had that Cage the Elephant song earlier. Not that I'm complaining. I picked the songs. We have some Foo Fighters in there. Some some Weezer. Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, Queens of the Stone Age. We should play uh, uh, No One Knows a little later on. That's a good I one. will. That's a beauty. That doesn't do it justice, but <laughs> that's kind of how it sounds. That's how they came up with that song. Saskatchewan and Calgary are underway in what we will call the Hate Bowl. Uh, no score, four minutes in. BC taking it to Montreal, 38 18 uh, earlier tonight. All right, so uh, I got to go golfing, and I've talked about my golf game a fair bit on the show this summer because it has been a source of great angst. I don't experience teen angst anymore. I experience golf angst in my in my 40s. I've been trying to improve. I have slightly improved as a golfer. My scores haven't drastically improved. Uh, I do hit the ball better. I make a lot of bad shots. So I got to play at, at, uh, at Predator Ridge uh, Monday, so I, I took my parents for, there for their anniversary. That's what a good son I am. But I'm also self-centered enough where it's like, well, if I'm going to go take them to a golf resort, I'm going to go and golf. So we, we go out there, and I booked around for Monday afternoon, which was actually my parents' uh, 46th anniversary. And it was just it was awesome to play it. It's an incredible course. There's a predator course and a ridge course. I played the ridge course, which I had been told was a little more friendly to the below average golfer so I chose to play that one and incredibly scenic like there's one tee you're standing on looking downhill on a par three with a forest Lake Okanagan and a mountain behind the hole it's just like some of the holes look like they're out of a video game where they made a fantasy course what's the most beautiful course we could make so uh so that was pretty cool so I played it Monday afternoon and uh it was it was really good and then you know I was there as a, a single obviously so I I said, you know, so of course my mom said, well, why don't you, why don't you play the course? Why don't you go again Tuesday? I was like, oh, I should spend time with you. Oh, we're fine. Go play again. So I called and I booked a tea time for the next morning. So anyway, the first round, I, I had just got a tea time for Monday at one. And I show up at the first tee and the starter says, yeah, it's you and a, another guy. And the third person I think was a course employee. And I talked to one of the, the uh, young men working at a little grocery store they had there who said, as an employee, I think you can play two or three times a week for free. So I think that's who it was and didn't show up. So I got paired for this Monday at 1 tea time with a 77-year-old gentleman from Vancouver, uh, recently retired. Uh, and he was great. I mean, we both were around the same level. Um, he gets he golfs more than I, than I he golfs about three times a week at a club in Vancouver so he was kind of your seniors golf not very long but kept it in play um, but as we were playing 
and I sort of didn't realize the evil thing I could have done until after the fact because I'm not an evil person. Though it was, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm picking on him because we're all headed in, in this direction and your body's not always going to function as well as it does when you're younger. Uh, but I realized as the round went on, his eyesight wasn't great. Now, at times, certainly, Matthew, you, you golf periodically. Once or twice a round, maximum, I will hit the ball and not pick it up. And I'll have to ask my playing partner, not sure where that went or I didn't see it come down. But, you know, I might, but even on those, I'll have a general idea of what, part of the fairway or rough it's in, right? Would you? I don't know how often that happens to you, Matthew. Oh, no, I agree. But, but, I, agree. but I, I could play an entire round and never lose my ball off the club. Like, always track it and see where it landed. Um, so, uh, this... <laughs> Bag Milk uh, texting the show. Read, why does the impression of your mom sound like your Henrik Lundqvist? Well, I only have a couple voices. Well, one, really, that I do for everybody else. So, anyway... Um, so I'm playing with this this guy, and there was a, a fairly early on on a hole, he uh, he drives one, and it kind of lands in the fairway and barely rolls into the rough down the right side. And he's like, "Ah, oh, that's gone." I was like, "No, I, I I think you're okay." And I'm thinking, "Did I did it take a bigger hop or a bigger roll than I thought? Because I'm pretty sure it's barely in the rough. Like you'll walk two inches into the rough and it'll be sitting there." He's like, no, I yanked it, but pushed it right. That's a, that was a big slice. I was like, oh, okay. And I don't want to argue with the guy or act like I'm arguing with, with the guy. And I, I said, well, well, I said, yeah, I thought it, I thought it might have hit the fairway. Uh, and he's like, no, it's in the bush. I'm like, oh, okay. So I didn't say anything. And then when we drive up, I'm like, oh, no, it's right here. He's like, oh, I thought it was way right. Well, this probably happened. 10 to 12 times off the tee, like almost every, no, no, like two thirds of the tee shots, he he, was, he wasn't able to see. And like there was one, and there were rock outcroppings around the course. It's really cool how it's built. So he drove one, he, it was going right, and it like was kind of a low one, hit the rock outcropping, bounced back towards the fairway, and it landed in the heather, but made a big like rustling action like you could see the grass vibrating and it was like just off off where the fairway was and he's like oh another one gone and i was like no i think it i i think you i think we'll find it he's like no that was that was over that rock i was like no no i think it, like it hit the and then like again you feel like you're arguing with the guy and i was like well let's just look for it so then i, I realized after the round this would have been a great way to get free golf balls you know like he's hitting them down the middle of the fairway and he's convinced, well, that one's... I could have just been like, yeah, that one was gone. That was gone, buddy. That's that's 40 yards into the bush. And then I could have just driven up to the fairway. Oh, somebody else must have left their ball here. I guess it's mine now. But I uh, I chose not to do that. I chose to be uh, uh, a gentleman. But he was uh, he was a little right, but often just, just in the rough. Though in his mind, everything was about 80 yards out of play. So anyway, it was it was, it was a fun. Uh, it was fun, beautiful golf course. And, uh, boy, we got some odd people texting in tonight. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know if bagged milk and jean shorts uh, brought out some of the more odder members of society, but we have some texts. I'm not going to read because I don't want to encourage some of these people to keep texting because they're just a little, little nonsensical at this point. Matthew, have you been golfing lately? Still no. I've been working, right? You know me. I'm always here. How many hours did you work today? Well, I didn't work that long. I mean, I came in between 11:30 and two to help out Albrecht do orders now, 
took a nap on the couch downstairs, and then came back up for 4.30. You were allowed to nap on the couch downstairs? I always do. People look probably look at me, what the heck is this guy doing? But whatever. Didn't we have an employee who'd been kicked out of his apartment and was living here for a while, a couple <laughs> years ago? Like, we won't mention any names, Brian Hall. I think Hall. you're right. But no. <laughs> I think you're right. I believe we did have uh, somebody yeah. who eventually it was discovered he was residing <laughs> in the uh, station and trying to hide it. Saskatchewan Rough Riders long bomb touchdown to Rob Bag to go up 6-3 if it stands. There's a flag on the plate. Darian Durant back in action. Obviously a huge help for the uh, Rough Riders. Calgary had that thrilling overtime win against BC last Friday night. Now we're going to have to wait for the penalty call here. Chris Jones looks agitated, but he always looks agitated. It is on the Stampeders, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have gone ahead uh, nine minutes into the game in Calgary with the uh, the extra point to come. The Eskimos will play Ottawa on Saturday. Again, that's on Chad, 3.30 for the pregame show, 5 o'clock for the kickoff. As uh, we'll, we'll have more Eskimos talk on earlier, and we're going to have Brad Sinopoli uh, coming up from the Ottawa Red Blacks as well. He's an interesting story. This is a This is a... Well, I mean, they're all big now for the Eskimos because they've they've put themselves behind the eight ball, so to speak. If they lose this game, and let's face it, how do you not favor the Ottawa Red Blacks in this game, even though they've lost a couple of games? They lost to Saskatchewan by a point, and they lost to Toronto's backup quarterback last week, which was kind of surprising. How do you not favor the Ottawa Red Blacks? in this game, given how they have played and how the Eskimos' defense has performed. The, I mean, the Eskimos are staring down 2-4 and four here. Last year, they lost four games the entire season. Now, granted, they, they won their last eight, 10 overall if you include the playoffs. Uh, they were 6-4 and four before they went on their run. But you're sitting here at 2-4. and four. Winnipeg is now up to three wins, surprisingly. I was stunned they handled Hamilton that easily last night. And now you got a Saskatchewan team with Durant left. I, I, like, I don't want to be the naysayer. I don't want to be the sky-is-falling is guy. But I have my worry pants hiked up to my nipples. That's how high my—and they are gray rugby pants, for people who don't know. They are hiked right up. Because I'm worried about this team that they aren't going to be able to get stops. I do think the offense will come around. I, I just don't know if they're going to be able to consistently get stops. And they just, the defense now looks like a team when it go. And here's the thing it's not about everybody says, well, play 60. Yeah, you got to play hard for 60 minutes and all that stuff. It's pretty rare in any sport to dominate somebody for 60 minutes, especially in basketball because they play 48 and in baseball because they play nine innings. Football or hockey, rarely do you dominate somebody for 60 minutes. But in the periods of time when you play better, how much damage do you do? And in the periods of the game where you're not at your best, how much damage is inflicted on you? And right now, the Eskimos are a team, when it's not going their way, it is an avalanche coming down on them, which is the opposite of what they were last year, where they could not play well, but hang around and still come out tied or or even in the lead sometimes. So we'll see if my uh, worry pants are up to my chin by this time next week. Brad Sinopoli from the Red Blacks when we get back. It's 8.28.
your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. How loud are we allowed to turn this up? Can we turn it up to 11? Queens of the Stone Age is going to be like, why do our downloads go up every two weeks at about 8.30 Mountain Time? (laughs) That's a great track. It's Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. It's 6.3. In the uh, hate bowl between Saskatchewan and Calgary. We're uh, with you until 9 o'clock. We'll keep you updated on that one. And then Randy Kilburn, uh, actually, who's doing news tonight? Rand- or Thomas is over there. Thomas, are you there? No, nah, he's gone. He's gone for a walk. A uh, little known fact about our, our Ched News guy, Thomas uh, Dias, never sits down during a shift. He's always walking or standing. Completely true. Matthew Panashik is on the uh, other side of the window. Matthew, again, thank you for all the uh, extra hours you've had to put in. You really deserve something a little special from the company. Oh, what would that be? Well, I don't, I, I don't have any ideas. I just because I don't run the company. Well, I, I hope something will be something special. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you a nice toque. Would you like Ooh. a six thirty Ched toque? I just want, I just want a nice shirt like you guys have. A nice six thirty Ched shirt. You guys have nice shirts. Uh, I didn't get one. Well, last I, got a, time. I got a Chorus Entertainment golf shirt. Yes, that's which, the by one. the way, is is I'm not a I'm not. Here's the thing: I'm not a big person. Obviously, I'm five foot eight. I'm short. Am I of average build, or am I probably small build? Right, but I don't like uh, I don't like tight fitting clothes, and a lot of the you know the hipster clothes these days are very. I, I find them very uh, constraining. So I often will get a medium or a large shirt depending on how it fits. I don't wear smalls. Uh, so they were like, "We're Reed, we're getting golf shirts. What size golf shirt would you like?" So to be safe, I asked for a large, right? I don't, I don't mind if they're a little baggy, a little loose fitting, right? So I go into Sid Smith's office one day, and uh, he's like, "Ah, oh, here's your golf shirt." And I was like, "Oh, good. You might be swimming in it." And I was like, "Oh no, no, that's okay. I wanted a large." Well, I get home, it's an XL. Like, I could wear this shirt like a miniskirt if I wanted to. Oops. Not that I have any, any cross-dressing leans, but you know what I mean? It's it like the Chorus Entertainment logo, which is supposed to be at, like, breast height, is, like, by my belly button. That's how long the shirt is. I have a story here, by the way. Go. Okay. First ever game, I went to Cincinnati to go watch the Bengals play. I didn't know the sizes of NFL jerseys back then. A 48 is what I should be fitting into, okay? A 48 is about a large. So I just I just wanted a Carson Palmer jersey at the time. I didn't care. I wanted a pro one, the most expensive one. And I grabbed one off the rack game day, and I buy a 54, which is, uh, by the way, it looked like a skirt on me, for goodness sakes. So, and then I realized, oh, this is not good. So when I came home, I took it and got it hemmed so it fit much better, but still really baggy in the, in the shoulders and stuff like that. But I didn't realize the size and the attitude. My so what friends, is that the my friends what made is that fun the of me. Length? Like, what, what does that refer to? Well, it's the 54. I, I don't even know what the 54 and the 40 and the 42 is, but I know 48's a good fit for me. It's supposed to be a large. I think I got an XXL jersey, for goodness sakes, like a linebacker jersey. Well, in the States, that's probably a small. <laughs> they, 
<laughs> there's, a, there's some rotund individuals south of the border. All right, it's uh, 8.36. Brad Sinopoli is not rotund. He's one of the best receivers in the CFL. He plays for the Ottawa Red Blacks, and they will take on the Eskimos on Saturday. Brad, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and I appreciate that you would, uh, you'd make time for us tonight. And, uh, man, it's been an interesting CFL season so far, and, and you guys are, are definitely one of the chief exhibits for that. You start off and you look like, uh, uh, hey, this team's rolling along. Who's going to beat this team? And uh, now a couple of losses, and now the doubters come out, right? And how good are the Ottawa Red Blacks and all that stuff, right? So <laughs> where, where are you at with, with the team and the season so far? Oh, man, it's... Uh you know, I thought we, we had a great start. It's, um, you know, obviously people are going to say that when, when you lose two in a row and, um, you know, it was a tough one to lose in Saskatchewan, um, you know, and then obviously another tough one to lose at home. But, um, you know, it's obviously as a team, I mean, we recognize it's a, it's a long season and, um, you know, you're going to have some of those nights in football where it's just, you know, you're a couple plays away from uh, from winning the game. And, and that's the thing that we have to remember is that those games were, were really close and uh, we had the opportunities to – to win the games and, and we just didn't make some plays um you know but that that stuff will come i think with our group of guys we're you know we're, we're pretty confident when we get in those situations and um at the same time you know we realize that sometimes it's not going to go your way and, and when it doesn't you just have to regroup and um and focus on the next week and uh, and that's just pro sports i think in the end so what's it like because it doesn't happen a lot in professional football what's it like playing a tie game what's that feeling like leaving the field yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was weird. It was, uh, you know, I, we didn't really know how to feel after the game. It, it kind of was a little bit somber in the locker room. And, um, you know, our, obviously our coaches had to remind us, too, that, you know, we still got a point out of that game. But um, it's just a, it's a weird feeling to, to play a football game. And, uh, you know, and you play so hard and, uh, and, you, and you leave everything out on the field. And, um, and then you walk away and it's a, and it's a tie. Nobody won. It's, uh, it's a weird feeling. I've never been a part of it in football myself. Um, I think Henry's the only guy on our team that's actually been a part of that, um, and that was a while ago, I'm sure for him. But uh, yeah, it was it was a little bit weird for us. Well, yeah, it is, and I know whenever it happens, there's people always say, "Oh, they should keep playing," and I always say, "Well, there's only about two or three ties a decade, so it's not like it's a problem." Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is kind of it is kind of weird when it's happened. You, you referenced Henry Burris, who got hurt here at Edmonton. Uh, Trevor Harris uh, got injured. You guys had Brock Jensen play a game. Henry's been back. From a receiver standpoint, what's it been like having to receive passes from you know every quarterback on your roster just a third of the way into the season? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I think in Saskatchewan it was a little bit tough. It's uh, at least for Brock. You know, that's probably one of the toughest places you can um, you know you can stick a backup in when when something like that happens. It's a it's a very loud place. Um, you know, you don't get a lot of reps as a as a backup throughout the week and. Um, obviously, he's a young guy, you know, doesn't have the experience that uh, Trevor or Henry had. So um, that game in particular was was tough just to get our operations down and, and everything. But, um, you know, when, when Hank or Trevor, whoever's up, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very similar um, experience, I think, for, for the receivers. You know, we, we don't really think twice about it, who's in there. Um, I think we just feel good that, that either of those guys, those guys are on our team and, um, and they can obviously both get it done. They, you know, they both had amazing seasons last year and, um, you know, I think we're just lucky that we have both of them where if something does happen and, and obviously did that, you know, one of those guys can step in and, um, and just keep everything going. We don't have to change too much on offense, you know, in the playbook. Um, you know, they all, they all see the field very similar. So 
Um, yeah, I think we're just lucky that we have you know two high-quality quarterbacks like that. Well, you're right. That is a pretty deadly one-two punch if something does happen. How do you compare and contrast uh, Harris and Burris? I mean, obviously there are different stages in their careers, but is there anything drastically uh, different or, or, uh, or different strengths that they have once they're actually out there? Um, yeah, you know, they're, they're obviously a little bit different in terms of, um, in terms of how they play. I, I think the one thing that, that Hank has that, um, you know, no one else has is just his, his experience, obviously, in the league and um, playing for as long as he has. You know, he, he sees things. I mean, he's seen virtually everything on defense that you can possibly see. And, um, and I think he, he sometimes he, he sees it quicker than other guys, and, uh, and he can anticipate, you know, certain passes, certain balls that, um, when we're watching it on film the next day, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a wow, you know, how'd you sneak that in there type of moment. So, um, you know, and that's obviously he's going to have that. He's been playing for a long time. But, um, you know, like I said, the, I think both of them are, are very smart. They, they see the field, I think, pretty identical. And, um, you know, Trevor is just uh, he's a very meticulous guy with his reads and, and just very disciplined. And uh, sometimes when, you know, Hank, Hank will make plays, you know, when when it's not drawn up in the playbook, and um, he'll scramble around and throw some balls that, uh, you know, that are just great football plays that maybe Trevor, you know, sometimes might not try because he's so disciplined in his reads, and um, and that's a obviously that's a really good thing as well to have. So, um, yeah, I mean, those two, they, you know, they work great off each other, and, and I think Trevor obviously is really enjoying having Hank in, in the quarterback room and uh, just to be able to talk through everything that they see together. So. Um, yeah, it's just um, uh, say it again. It's just great to have those guys on our team and, and playing with them. Brad Sinopoli joining us inside sports on six thirty. Chet he plays for the Ottawa Red Blacks, who will host the Edmonton Eskimos on uh, Saturday. Of course, we'll have it for you right here on six thirty. Chet, the, Brad, you've you've been an interesting guy to watch because you know you've become a standout receiver in the league, and, and maybe who would have thought that you know four, five, six years ago when you're a star quarterback for the University of Ottawa GGs. In fact, uh, you know, one of the, I mean, you won the heck Crichton, right? So you can't do any better than that. Uh, but uh, what, what, what's the transition been like for you from quarterback to receiver and then to becoming, you know, the most outstanding Canadian in the league? It's, yeah, it's, it's been interesting, I guess you can say the least. It's, um, I think when I, you know, when I first started out, I was, um, in Calgary, when when I made the switch, you know, I was just really happy that um, that I'd been given a second chance, basically. And um, you know, I, I just I, I wanted to make the most of it. I just really I was trying to you know get on the team, basically, in my third year there, and, and just get on the roster. Um, you know, try to help out on special teams, and and the other, that was the other thing. Try to even just learn special teams. You know, I, I had never up to that point, I'd never played special teams, uh, never been in a special teams meeting. You know, as a quarterback, I. I just I was totally unfamiliar with that world. So um, early on, that was something that I was I was really trying to focus on, just just trying to get special teams down and um, and contribute any way I can there. And and uh, you know, on offense, it's usually a pretty gradual thing to if you get your feet wet and work in there. And um, you know, and I, I was fortunate. There's it's it's unfortunate in football where you know one guy gets injured and and uh, another guy gets an opportunity. And um, there's stories like that that are all over the football and the CFL and um, you know, obviously, I I benefited from someone else getting hurt, which which is tough at the time. But um, it just it allowed me to you know have that opportunity and, and to kind of show a little bit of what I can do. Um, and then you kind of just gradually build off that, you know, and you get a bigger role here, a bigger role there, and 
Um, and then eventually it led to Ottawa where, you know, they kind of were offering a, a lot larger role in the offense. And, um, yeah, it's just I think it was just extremely lucky that I could come in with, with those receivers at the time and, and, uh, and obviously Henry and, um, you know, and Coach Moss was there as well. It was uh, – that was, I think, something that was, that was huge for me. And he put me in a spot where, you know, he kind of utilized my skills and, and other guys' different skills. And, um, you know, it just last year was a fun year and it kind of a, a little bit of a breakout year. And also just to, to gain the confidence and, and belief that, you know, you can be a full-time starter and you can do, um, you know, blocking and, and protections and right running, all this different stuff. So, um, yeah, I just – I think just to sum it up, I just, I just feel really – uh, really lucky and fortunate that I had the opportunities I've had and, and uh, been around the people that I've been around. You know, coming up through the CIS and and, and being an outstanding quarterback, and, we, and I mean, there's a lot of great quarterbacks in CIS. It's been a long time since we've had a great Canadian quarterback in the CFL, and Brandon Bridge just a couple days ago got released by the Montreal Alouettes. I, I mean... Mm-hmm. I, are, are you? Does something need to change here, or, or is, is a Canadian going to break through? Does the does the do the racial rules need to change so guys like Brandon Bridge, it's easier for them to stay on rosters? Um, I mean, do you think about stuff like that? Because it'd be great to have a Canadian at that star position on the field all the time, wouldn't it? Oh, for sure. I've uh, you know obviously going through the experience, I've I've um, put a, a lot of thought into into the whole situation. Um, and I, I think the, the one thing that I would think would be fair is that if a, a Canadian does, um, does start and is on the roster, uh, you know, that, that spot should count as, as, uh, as a Canadian on the roster. That's the only thing I, I never understood. Um, you know, but outside of that, it's I, at the time, you know, I always thought that it's, uh, it's a very difficult thing to, to even make the team as a quarterback and be a starter. You know, when you think about it, there's, there's only nine starters in the CFL and, um, you know, you go three per team. It's maybe 27, 30 quarterbacks in the league. And uh, you compare that to, you know, the NFL where there's, you know, more starters than there are quarterbacks in the CFL. And there's just so much more opportunity, so many more places where guys can, um, you know, be backups, develop, and, and get their opportunities. And, uh, you know, up here it's such a, um, you know, I don't want to say cutthroat league, but it's it's just, uh, it's a, I think it's a very tricky thing to to get onto a roster and to, and to hang on, um, you know, but I think they're doing a lot of things right. They're, they're getting young guys into training camp. They're giving that, them that experience, um, you know, and I had that experience and I went back to the CIS and, and uh, just seeing the game at a different level, you know, helped tremendously just to, to understand the concepts and just see the speed and, um, you know, so they're doing things right. And, and there's a, a ton of great Canadian quarterbacks that are coming up um, that are young guys that, We'll get their opportunities, and um, you know, I'm 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 hopeful, just like everyone else, to see one one day start and and be a significant uh, starter, and um, and hopefully a star, superstar one day, you know. But uh, I think for right now, they're on the right track, just with getting young guys exposed to the league, and um, you know, we'll see hopefully sometime in the, in the near future. Well said. Well, Brad, thanks so much for your time. You guys have been an exciting team to watch this year and uh, another big showdown with the Eskimos coming up on uh, Saturday. The last game you guys played was the Classic. All the best, man. Talk to you again soon. I appreciate it. Take care. That is Brad Sinopoli from the Ottawa Red Blacks. Great to have him on the show while we were having that conversation. Calgary going up on uh, Saskatchewan 10-6. Anthony Parker with a touchdown pass from Bo Levi Mitchell. The overrated Bo Levi Mitchell, according to Matthew Panashik, By the way, BLM extends his streak of consecutive games with a touchdown pass to 21. 
only the fourth best in the history of our little league. Hey, but you can you can think he's overrated, Matthew. That's fine. Well, I guess I'm uh, proving proving to be wrong here about him. But <laughs> I like your tweet. You replied to me. Perhaps I am wrong. Them. I was wrong about something. I besmirched a rock band, and I will tell you why when we get back. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Shad. Oscar Clefbaum, is, is uh, he going to be the uh, big shot, potentially, on the point for the Oilers' power play this season? We shall see. That's still going to remain a weakness of the club as we move towards the season. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. So the Blue Jays beat Houston 4-1. Edwin Encarnacion, homer to uh, put it away in the top of the ninth. He now has uh, 30 homers and 91 driven in on the season. And, uh, Matthew, we were just, what was the strikeout total? 59? 59 in a four-game series, read. Well, they had a ton of strikeouts, so they had a 14-inning game right off the top, right? So that is a new record for most strikeouts in a four-inning series. 50, or a four-inning series, a four-game series. 59 by the Blue Jays, who do win tonight, while Baltimore loses 5-3 to Texas. So the Blue Jays now tied for first in the American League East with uh, the Orioles. The International Olympic Committee has approved the entry of 271 Russian athletes for the Rio Olympics. They start tomorrow. I guess while I was away, the soccer already started, right? Canadian yes. women. Sinclair got a goal like 20 seconds into the game or something like that. I thought that was an Olympic record or something like and that. And then they won. They Then they played shorthanded a lot of the game and still won. That was the story. 70, over 70 minutes of shorthanded uh, soccer for Oh, them. wow. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that means 70% of Russia's original team will compete in the games despite the uh, state-sponsored doping scandal. Uh, by the way, the Blue Jays uh, saying that right-hander Aaron Sanchez will remain in the team's starting rotation. That's according to general manager Ross Atkins. The rotation will be expanded to six Pitcher Sanchez has been uh, great this season. He's 11-1 and with a 2.71 ERA. Of course, they added uh, Francisco Liriano as well, so they're going to go with six starters. And the Jays do win tonight. Three-way tie for the lead after the first round of the Travelers Championship. Jerry Kelly, Von Taylor, and Andrew Loop all shot six under 64s. So there's a quick update for you. BC wins over Montreal 38-18. And uh, it is uh, still 10-6 for Calgary leading Saskatchewan, though I'm just looking up here, and they might be reviewing for pass interference on Calgary in the end zone, so we'll see how that turns out. All right, so I was talking about Asia, and I said uh, they were a super group that didn't turn out to be super. The original 97 has tweeted me. He says, Reed, Asia was a super group that wasn't super? Debut album sold more than 4 million records in the U.S. and was three times platinum in Canada. My mistake. I always, from my youth, for some reason, have a member of Asia being this super group that got put together and kind of didn't do that well. Uh, well, their first album was uh, pretty big. So there you go. I don't know if they uh, necessarily followed up that success with bigger albums, but there you go. Uh, Greaser says, uh, do the people at Rogers Place believe the ice will be the best in the NHL? Seems like Rexall ice has been poor the last few years. At least that's one of my excuses for the Oilers' poor record. LOL. That is from Greaser. 
Uh, Rexall Place Ice has been bad for the last several seasons. It is a uh, a, uh, a myth that Rexall Place has had good ice. It used to have the best ice in the NHL. No longer the case. I, I would think that Rogers Place Ice will be among the best in the NHL. I, I'm sure certainly going to be a massive improvement. You can always text uh, 63630. Thomas in a semi says, can I get a toque and a shirt? Well, maybe. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. Uh, Lumley Fan says Asia had three big albums. You got to name them, Lumley Fan. Rowdy Yates says a little off topic in Shaw. This is well. This is a beauty in Shawshank Redemption. Andy writes the state once a week for library funds. Who do I write twice a week to get Claire Drake into the Hockey Hall of Fame? So, Rowdy, I'm assuming from that text you are incarcerated and uh, would like to get Claire Drake into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, First of all, I hope you do reform. And second of all, uh, I think just look up Hockey Hall of Fame committee on the uh, Internet and start sending them emails. That's about all I can tell you there. All right, I'm just looking up. The uh, names of Asia's albums. Asia Alpha Astra. Aqua Area Arena. Wow. They, Rare Aura, Silent Nation, Phoenix, Omega, Triple X, and Gravitas are the names of their albums. Uh, Lumley Fan says uh, Alpha was a good album. I did not think we'd be talking about Asia albums tonight on the show. By request, by the way. We had an unnamed texter request some Carly Rae Jepsen tonight. Is it Jepsen or Jespin? I don't even know. Uh, Jepsen. Presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed writer. It's free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. That's inside sports, not Carly Rae Jepsen. Fun show tonight. Thanks to Brad Sinopoli from the Red Blacks, Neil King from the Eskimos for coming on. We talked about the Gretzky statue. We talked about my tour of Rogers Place. You miss anything, sign up for the Inside Sports Podcast or go to our page on the 630Ched website. Thanks to Bag Milk and Jean Shorts from Oilers Nation for coming in tonight. Calgary still up 10-6 on Saskatchewan. Six minutes into the second quarter. And as I mentioned, BC won by 20 over Montreal earlier. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening, Matthew Panashik. My name is Reed Wilkins. Always a blast. Talk to you tomorrow. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.